All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast. My name is James, and I'm your host, and today is episode 16. So for episode 16, we're going to travel to Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm going to interview Kevin Irvin. He is the owner of Frank's Diner, and it's one of the oldest diners in the country. Now, diners have a unique history, unique place in food history, I think a lot of times when we think of diners, at least when I think of diners, I think of Back to the Future, the uh, 50s diner where you have the jukebox and the counter and you get served a bunch of greasy food, sometimes breakfast. And that's really what popular culture tends to think of when we think of diners. When it comes to the history of diners, They've really been around since the late 1800s, early 1900s, when companies started mass producing them. It was a restaurant that you can order. It would show up on train. Horses would pull it to the final location, and boom, you're in business with a fully equipped restaurant. So very low startup costs. In a lot of ways, that's how, reading the history, I, I keep thinking a lot about food trucks today and how a food truck seems to be the uh, the cheap and low overhead way of getting into the restaurant industry. Uh, buying a food truck tends to be a lot less expensive, much less of an investment than buying a brick and mortar restaurant. And that's how these types of restaurants were back in the day. It was a cheap and easy way for people to get into the restaurant business. Now, as a result, these started popping up all over the place. Unfortunately, a lot of them stopped operating, broke down, uh, no longer were in business. And unless you're in New Jersey, where they are all over the place still, these these diners can be hard to find, at least the historic ones that have been around since the early 1900s. They weren't built to last, but a lot of these were added on to and give them permanent foundations and a place to rest. So people who took care of them and and really grew their business, we find that they're still around today. Now, with that said, we're going to dive right into the interview. Hey, I'm uh, Kevin Irvin. I am the co-owner, along with my lovely wife, Julie Ritmiller, of Frank's Diner in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Great. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about Frank's Diner and how it got its start. So Anthony Frankidis, which was his original name, he was a Greek immigrant and he changed his name to Frank's later on. Um, He came to Kenosha back in the 20s and was working in a bunch of different restaurants around town. And, uh, you know, like many immigrants, was saving his pennies and hoping to start his own business. And came across an article in a magazine where he could buy a diner fully functioning, made, stocked with everything you needed but the food, and you could start your own business. So he did that. He ordered it from the Jerry O'Mahony Company out of New Jersey. I forget what the price was, $3,000 or something like that, and another 500 to ship it. And uh, and that's what he did. So they uh, back in those days, you know, there was no interstate highway, so... What they did was they slapped wheels on these pre-made diners and shipped them by uh, rail. So it came by train to Kenosha. Once it got to Kenosha, Wisconsin, they took it off the trains and hooked it up to horses, and they pulled it over to where it is and has stood since 1925. So 
there you go. <laughs> now, was there was there a large Greek population in Kenosha at the time? I think so, because, like I said, he bought the diner and it was put in place in 1925, but the city council of Kenosha wouldn't give him a business license until 1926 because what we heard was that they thought that there were too many Greeks with restaurants in the town. So they <laughs> were trying to control that for some reason. And so a year later, poor Anthony, he was able to open up his restaurant. But yeah, so there must have been a good good amount of Greek in town, but not so much anymore. It's the Kenosha is mostly known for uh, Italians and uh, Polish, Germans, but not a lot of Greek anymore. So I don't know where they moved. I think they all went up to Chicago. Yeah. Well, you know, that's something that's always interesting is kind of the uh, back, you know, around the early 1900s, how different cultural groups and populations were settling in. You know, I did another interview with a candy shop near Louisville, Kentucky, and they were in a town that was there at the time largely German immigrants. And they even had a local paper that was being printed in German. So that was something yeah. that w I was curious about when you said, you know, Greek immigrant. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I've never looked into that history because I'm Italian myself. So, and, but like I said, there's not a lot of big Greek influence in the town anymore. So what happened, where they went, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So, With this idea of buying a diner that's fully functioning, that, that seems to have been a thing throughout the country where these started popping up. How did that get its start? Yeah, I don't I don't know. But, you know, the Jerry Mahoney company, O Mahoney, I almost forget the O. Um, yeah, this was a popular thing. I mean, especially around the Jersey area on the East Coast where they were, you know, they were manufacturing in Jersey. So they, they spread out in Jersey quite a bit. And then, you know, New York and that area. And uh, I've never looked into, like, where the furthest one is. I know there's another one here not too far from us, about 40 minutes away, 40 miles away. That's still a Jerry O'Mahony. It's a later model. It's from the 50s. Uh, so it's the chrome version. And ours is, you know, all wood and tile and things. But yeah, how, why? I think it was an easy way for people to, to start a business. It was affordable, you know, even though it was, you know, the, the amount of money they paid at the time was, you know, up there, but still, you know, affordable and doable. And it gave you a chance to become your own boss with a, not a huge amount of investment. You weren't opening a factory or anything like that, you know. Um, but uh, so I think it was just easy and convenient, and that's that's what helped spread that whole diner culture. I think. Yeah, that uh, that leads me to my next question about that diner culture, where you have these diners that pop up, and I think a lot of times when we think about diners, we think about the fifties and uh soda counters and and things like that yeah. do you do you think or do you feel like each decade each generation has kind of had their own diner culture yeah i think so i mean like you say i think that you know a lot of people think of that that 50s chrome diner and and, and you know that's part of americana but you know they were certainly around before that you know ours for instance and many many others and you know it was a cheap place for the working man to get a good meal, you know, home cooked, you know, back in the days before fast food restaurants and that. And, uh, you know, then the other you fifties know, and sixties spurred that. It probably kind of died out in the seventies a little, but then 
you know, became kitschy again in the eighties and that. And now there's a huge love of nostalgia for them. And, uh, cause there's so few left anymore. And, uh, so I think, yeah, the, the, each generation has its own diner culture. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've, noticed or maybe it's just me but i think there is definitely that nostalgia where you know diners or that diner concept is is making its its comeback and maybe it never really went away yeah i'm not sure maybe not but like on facebook you know there's a ton of you know diner centric groups and things so and you know there's always books out there you see uh, you know they tie it in with like i said you know americana and of course you know a lot of it tied into the Route 66 and all that because, you know, Route 66 had tons of diners along the route. So, you know, it's all part of that whole fabric of America, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Something uniquely American. Absolutely. Let's talk about the food for a minute. What was the food like when Frank's opened and how has it changed throughout the years? Uh, there were certain recipes and stuff that's changed, just gone out of fashion. I mean... Like, I know Bella Lugosi was one of the famous people who stopped at the diner back in the 40s, early 40s, and uh, he had oyster stew and <laughs> you know, oysters in Kenosha in the 40s. So I don't know where that came from. It was probably canned oysters, but we certainly don't make oyster stew anymore. But uh, some of the old-time favorites, you know, that we've kept for years, uh, you know, meatloaf and pot roast and chicken pot pie and stuff like that, those are just diner staples so I, I you know it's like i said it comes back to that comfort food that people expect from a diner and and then you know hearty hearty meal for a good price and so you got to have those staples now like a, us and a lot of other diners you know we kind of try to do some stuff that's a little more creative and upscale too so you got your standards but then you know we try to put spins on different things so but, you know, you, people do want to come in and get their eggs sunny side up and bacon, you know, so you got to have all that. <laughs> now, with a, with a diner, particularly one like like Frank's where, you know, it was brought in on a rail car, when it started, it was fairly small, fairly small kitchen. Yeah. How, how does a diner pump out pot roast and meatloaf in a kitchen that's really teeny? Well, back when Anthony first started it, so they have a grill – and then next to the grill was like three little stove burners. Um, so they would cook on those burners like pots of chili and soup right there up in front. But our place, as many did, expanded over the years. So we added like a booth section and then um, a little dining section and then a back kitchen years later. So like in the 30s, they added it on in the 40s. And in the 50s, they put in the back kitchen. And the back kitchen's bigger. It's got another grill area. And we have two working stoves and, you know, uh, five, uh, six burners back there for cooking on the you know, stove top. So uh, nowadays we, we put all the stuff, you know, in the oven and, and stove tops. So we're always cooking. You know, we make our own bread there out of the ovens. And, and there's always something on the stove top, you know, soup or some kind of sauce or, you know, someone's getting ready to make something. So yeah, it's always busy. But back in the day, yeah, it was. It was a little harder, and uh, you know, like you said, it was smaller, so they didn't have to make as much food as we do. But I, I feel like it would smell incredible in there with all this great stuff cooking. You know, the meatloaf, the the pot roast, and fresh bread, and soup on the stove, and oh yeah, well yeah, it's, there's oftentimes 
some of the wait staff comes back because they're not always, you know, know what we're cooking for the next day or so, you know, getting ready for. And they're like, wow, what are you making? That smells great, you know. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, we're putting together some spaghetti sauce or, you know, we're making, getting the pot roast going. And they're like, oh, man, I can't wait to have that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it does smell pretty good. Uh, quite often, you know, we'll be cooking and some of the, oh, the bread's, bread's ready. I can smell it. It smells great, you know, or, or the cinnamon rolls are ready. I can smell them, you know, so. So, yeah, it, 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 that, that's a perk of the job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. You know, Frank's has been around for a long time, and yep. there, I, I'm sure, are some great stories that have come through. Do you have a favorite, you know, one or two that, that you like to share? Sure. Yeah, so the Three Stooges came through. They, you know, they were on the vaudeville circuit back in 46, and it was a— uh, uh, Mo, Larry, and Shemp. Curly had already you know, suffered a stroke and had retired, um, and they were doing a Broadway show, I mean, a vaudeville show down the street at one of the theaters in Kenosha, and they had a matinee and an evening performance, so in between, they came to the diner to grab a bite to eat, and um, um, Don Franks, the owner of the original Sun, he was there. He was about 16 at the time, and he told them, you know, you're not even funny, and the Stooges proceeded to do like a 15 minute routine with him in the center of the abuse. And uh, the whole place was packed and everyone was just roaring with laughter. And then after they were done, they, they told him he was a good sport and gave him four passes for the movie. I mean, the, the show that night, not the movie, but the live performance. And uh, afterwards he said, you know what? You guys really are kind of funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was good. Well, I guess that takes like guts to it. really, uh, to, to tell that to them to their face, right? Oh yeah, he was a he was a punky little sixteen year old. You know how they are. Yeah, so, absolutely. Bella, yeah, Bella. Like I said earlier, Bella Lugosi ate there, and he came in. He was doing a one man Dracula show. He would you know do parts of the scenes and was in full makeup and the same thing. He was between performances, so he ran over to grab a bite to eat. And he opened the door, and everyone looked at him, and he did this big flourish with his cape and did the whole good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody clapped and applauded you know he gave out <laughs> autographs and stuff so and then we got some local flavor too you know people who were out drinking the whole night before and stumbled in when we opened the door and passed out in the middle of the diner on the floor and the guy was so big he was like six foot five and like 400 pounds no one could move him so they just let him sleep it off on the floor and everybody stepped over him all day until he, until he woke up a couple hours later, said thanks and left. And then, and he was a local character. And had one, of the, one, one guy borrowed another patron's car and went to park it in front, and somehow he ended up with the car on the side. I don't know how that happened. but So we, we got our share of local characters and famous characters who come through over the years. Oh, that's great. With a visit to Frank's today, what what could I expect, and uh, and how can people find more about you guys? Uh, that's easy. You can go to our website, franksdinerkenosha.com, or like us on Facebook, like everybody else. You know? um, <clears throat> and what you do expect is some really good home cooking food. You know, mostly everything we make is made from scratch. They have some good hearty breakfast. You know, great luncheon specials. Um, and then you'll find a, a really unique atmosphere with the old train car diner and everything that goes with it in a 
kind of a brassy, sassy kind of staff. We're known for our kind of, well, yeah, I'll just leave it at sassy humor and attitude towards customers. So, but it's a fun place. We do it all with fun, and uh, you'll leave laughing and, and well-fed, that's for sure. Well, that doesn't sound like a bad combination at all. <laughs> I, sometimes it's, you know, it's a small place, and sometimes we're packed, and service is a little small because we're so small with the kitchens. And I make a little speech, and I tell everyone, you know, we are a, we are a dying part of Americana in a corporate landscape. So you come <laughs> to us, you're going to get the real deal. It's not prepackaged. It's not. It's not some corporate letter telling everyone how to behave. It's it's, it's the real thing. So. Now, one one last question. Something that I was thinking a little bit about. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not the original owner of Frank's. No. What, what motivated you to get into it? Uh, the local asylum was not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I were both working different careers, totally different. And uh, Kenosha sits between Milwaukee and Chicago. I was working in Chicago. She was working in Milwaukee. And uh, we were looking to do something closer to home, and we were real good friends with the previous owners, and they were looking to sell, and they approached us, and we thought, "Well, this might work. Let's give it a let's give it a shot and see what happens." And it almost ten years later, it's worked out great. So. Well, that's awesome. It's always good to hear those types of stories, and you know, I really appreciate your time and coming on and doing this again for me. <laughs> oh, well, uh, my pleasure. It's fun. All right, again, I want to give a special thanks to Kevin for coming on the show. If So again, I wanted to give Kevin a special thanks for coming on the show and uh, spending his time with us tonight. I don't have anything for the kitchen today, and uh, we'll just go ahead and wrap it up. That's all I have for today. If you like what you heard, like always, I want to make sure that you share that with a friend. Share it with someone. Share the show with someone who likes listening to podcasts. I think they'll enjoy what they hear. Until next week. <laughs>